Hello, everybody. This is the Value Line Observer brought to you by the Value Guys. I'm Vern Value. And I'm Val Hughes. We are, uh, if you've listened to us before, you know that we're 20 year, 25 year. I'm 25 years. Wall Street veteran, analyst, portfolio managers uh, that have assumed secret identities. We've disguised our voices. Don't use our real names because you wondered. Because so our that we bosses. can offer our yeah. candid assessment. Yes, candid of stocks uh, in uh, each week's value line investment survey. You know, they every week you get a new ninety or something. Yeah, stocks. it's a handy tool. Uh, value guys forever have been looking through this. We've been reading this for twenty five years, and, and now we just share. We like to talk stocks, and we just decided share to share that with everybody. So. Uh, we it, might know a lot about what we're talking about. We might know, you know, really absolutely nothing about. Sometimes what we're that's more about. entertaining, though. I, think, um, I really. find it more entertaining. Then more entertaining for me the, to the watch you try to talk about boring. stuff you don't know. Um, if you want to know more about us and uh, you know read caveats about the fact that we might own every stock that we're talking about, um, please visit visit our website uh, www.thevalueguys.com. So Very anyway, well okay. I'm Vernon, and in a little bit, I'm going to come back and talk about beer. Okay. If well, we were okay. doing that earlier as well. Beer. So, uh, we'll be talking about beer later. You might want to stick around for that. But in the meantime, are you going to talk about did, something as interesting? Did you mention as beer? what week we're doing? Oh, I'm sorry. It's the yeah. Value Line Investment Survey of February second. You know, I just want to say it was 2007. Uh, it was my son's uh, birthday yesterday. So is that right? Yeah. Well, happy yeah. birthday. Happy birthday. And I can't say your name on air because then uh, secret be out. Uh, that would be, uh, Don't say anymore. Okay. He knows who he is. He knows who he is. Yes, he does. And uh, it's a you know it's a week with uh, I like this week when it comes up uh, because there's a bunch of different industries, including the Canadian banking industry, which I'm sure you're going to focus on, right? Uh, I missed that. I uh, didn't see that. A lot of food, a lot of beverage, a lot of foreign stuff, and uh, tobacco. Oh, and mm. entertainment. Did you, entertainment. Are you going to talk about I am. Uh, <clears throat> I've got a few favorites in that two. area. I will, because okay. I own that one. Yeah. Take it away. Okay. Val. Thanks, everybody, for listening in. And uh, I just want to say uh, we're getting a lot of new listeners. That's very exciting because uh, I don't know if we're more Thank entertaining you. or more uh, knowledgeable or neither or if it's just our cousins dialing in, but whatever. Um, and I just want to thank everyone for that. And if you have a chance, go to our website because uh, we have a little survey there that helps us understand what people are looking for if they fill out the form. And I went to the trouble of creating this. And we'll myself. do something for you in return. So, oh, that's true. Go to our website and find yeah, out why. Yeah, we actually have a gift for people yes, that fill out a survey. Anyway, this week I went through here and didn't see a lot. Food processing, I went through every name this week. I had a little extra time on my hands. Market's been very strong, and that makes a portfolio manager, I guess, think he can just relax now because we just made a bunch of money this week earlier in the week. So I found myself perusing every stock uh, this week in Value Line. I went through food processing, a lot of well-known names in there, traditional value-type names that people buy, you know, Hershey, a Kraft, which is about to get spun out, a Ralcorp, I actually own that one, and, you know, Tootsie Roll is a famous value thing, but... Everything in there seemed a little expensive this week, so I just passed. Grocery store industry, I think, is getting put out of business by Walmart, so that's not good. Food wholesalers. Uh, I, I used to own Cisco. Not much growth there. You're talking about beverages, which I think is a pretty good area. 
And then I come to manufactured housing. Beer, mm. specifically. Beer, okay. Not just beer. any beverage. I understand. Beer. Gotcha. Anyway, uh, manufacturing housing. I was so excited to talk about a stock I just bought recently, Thor Industries, page 1553. I'm so excited to talk about it. Because <laughs> Too bad you don't have it's really, page 1553. Right. Oh, man. <laughs> because what I do have is Winnebago, Winnebago <laughs> to contrast with Thor. So I'm just going to go ahead anyway. Winnebago's on page 1554. Thor is on page 1553. So they're right next to each other. I did not print the Thor, so I'm just going to make up a little bit about Thor. Uh, the theme on these stocks... Is that a bunch of Norwegians, or is no, it just happenstance? I, no, it's one of their brands. Okay. Uh, but the thing about Winnebago and Thor and all these uh, manufactured homes is a couple things. One, you got the baby boom coming along. These They're, aren't manufactured homes. Well, that's the category, the well, whole category. But uh, maybe... What are you talking about? Well, our listeners might not know what the businesses are. I thought That's were... why I'm talking about it right now. That's why they're listening. Come Please, on. go ahead. So manufactured homes are homes that I'll now describe in a couple different categories. One is the big homes you see, you know, driving along the freeway with some guy driving them or whatever that, you know, somebody buys when they retire, they take a trip around the country, and then they, you know, never drive them again, whatever. Uh, and then you have things that are more permanent that you can put somewhere, set them up. You know, they're mobile, so conceivably you can move them, but they probably never move. That's not what these guys do. These guys, Winnebago and Thor, make uh, vehicles and uh, recreational vehicles, but, uh, you know, big motor homes, Class A primarily. And the theme here is uh, really demographics where, it, you know, the average baby boomer right now is 50 years old, born in 19... 57 or 56, and uh, when these people are 60, 65, they're going to buy uh, motorhomes, often for cash. It's pretty amazing. Uh, but there's huge cycles up and down, up and down. So uh, I'm attracted to this area because a couple of these things got really crushed, and Thor was one of them. And the reason was is that during Katrina, uh, they supplied a lot. They do a lot of towables which are more at the lower end of the market versus Winnebago, which does the big Class A fancy ones. Trailers for us lay people. Trailers. <laughs> they're called towables in the industry. But they do some other things as well. They all have a lot of different brands across, you know, all the different classes. But Thor had a particularly large shipment uh, to Katrina victims a year ago, and so they faced negative comparisons all year, and they lost money, and they underperformed, et cetera. Um, whereas Winnebago, you know, did not contribute as many of their things to the Katrina uh, victims because they're the high end. So Winnebago uh, has really powered through here, although on a relative basis they're down over the last couple of years. Um, you know, they're, they're relatively healthy with very high returns on capital. Winnebago is probably the best run firm in the space, 20% returns on capital, no debt, um, you know, good cash flow, et cetera. But the stock's at 27 times earnings. It's 20 times gross cash flow per share. That's just hard for me to buy. Let me contrast that with Thor, which I don't have in front of me. It's cheaper. Uh, the returns aren't as good. It's been more um, than an acquisition story. It's uh, more like 10 times cash flow. Um, not, but, you know, it looks like moving forward over the next three or four quarters, they're going to have very positive comparisons uh, the negative sentiment on the stock, I think, is going to lift because what ultimately will win out is a pretty strong economy and the wind at your back of demographics. So I can't say any more because I don't have Thor here, but I'll bring it back another time and, and talk about it because Thor 
I just bought it last week. It's a very interesting valuation uh, right now going into a demographic kind of thing over the next three to five years. Uh, and Winnebago's too expensive. So anyway, um, moving along. How's uh, Winnebago done? We've recommended it before, uh, historically. Well, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of flattish on the year. It's done well hmm. since summer. Okay. And, um, well, I think that's when we recommended it. Did you recommend that one? Because uh, I wouldn't. Actually, have. I think I did, yeah. Okay. All right. Well, uh, you know, I don't actually know. All our shows now are indexed by ticker. If you pull up the RSS, you can, you can just go click on that Good old to be lucky. show. WGO is the ticker. Uh, moving along, page 1576. This one is a little tricky. It's an old value name, uh, but it's controversial. It's UST which I think used to stand for United States Tobacco, Inc. And the unique thing about UST is that they have a 75% share of the moist, smokeless segment, or <laughs> as Valuline so clearly says. It just sounds disgusting. Well, I, it, it? Is, it probably is, but uh, they have Anything a 75% share. And, um, you know, the theme here would simply be a couple of things. It's harder and harder to smoke cigarettes anywhere, and uh, I think they're going to grab some, continue to grab some share, and they have a monopoly, I'm just saying, with 75% share, 48% operating margin, uh, and these are customers who are addicted to your product. So you have a monopoly, your customers are addicted, and you're going to gain share from another addictive substance over time. Uh, the growing economies of India and China are not yet on the full health bandwagon as we are, uh, although they don't want to have dirty smoke in their buildings either. So, you know, these guys have a big opportunity overseas uh, in these growing economies. The metrics on it are it's a little expensive for my taste, frankly. Um, it's uh, gross cash flow is 370. Uh, free cash flow is 320. But I look at 17 times free cash flow. This thing seems like money in the bank. Uh, it trades at a slightly discount P.E. multiple to the S&P, and I have to ask myself, is it a better business than average? Well, I have to go back. Monopoly on an addictive product is a pretty good business. Uh, growth rates here, earnings don't grow much, but they buy back stock every year, so earnings per share uh, grow at about 5%. And I might look at a 6% cash-on-cash yield, plus 5 or 6% growth in value every year. That gives me just an 11 or 12% return, typically not what I'd be looking for. But, you know, that's a lot better than the long-term bond at 5%, and I think this may be almost as certain. You know, addictive drugs, uh, I think, are as certain as maybe the U.S. government's ability to pay. I don't know. But uh, this one looks like something you can just put away. They earn 30% returns on capital. They have a, a little bit of leverage here. Uh, 90%. Uh, but, you know, business is very stable, so they lever that high return on capital into a 55% return on equity. They pay out a big dividend. They pay out a lot of their cash flow every year. Uh, yield is 4% on this one. So UST, the old U.S. tobacco. What do you think of that, Vern? Moist. Oh, <laughs> can't get away from that. Um, okay, uh, Apollo Group. Page 1579, Education. <laughs> the closely related. Well, you know, I'm looking at the sheet here. I didn't do a lot of work, but my theme on this is, and I don't own this one. This space has been under it's, assault, well, right. hasn't it? Well, right. Bad news breeds opportunity. This space has been under assault for a couple things. 
One, um, you know, with the world of the Internet, all these guys got online to figure out how to drive customers to their schools online, and they spent more than they should in doing so. And then some, you know, state governments got involved saying, gee, you're charging tuition, and then instead of putting that into teaching, you're putting it into advertising, and, uh, you know, there were some other accounting issues, et cetera. But that's all, you know, being worked out. The worst offender two weeks ago uh, was, uh, I guess, finally granted the right to teach in school again, um, ticker CECO. I'm forgetting the name right now, but I actually recommended it here uh, maybe, shoot, nine months ago, something like that, and it's it's worked out. That was another one where the cloud is lifting. The cloud, the near-term cloud on these things is lifting. They're getting their ad expenses in line. They're showing a curriculum that helps kids get jobs. They can show a good track record on, you know, uh, salaries versus tuition and a good return on that. And what's helping them is the skyrocketing tuition bills at traditional universities where it's getting harder and harder for those schools to show a return on tuition and uh, for those in the you know in the country that have to be sort of ROI focused when they start thinking about tuition bills uh, this group is coming along because they're quicker to react to the marketplace they can you know put in a new curriculum to address a new industry um, and so the theme on this is simply uh, the need for education higher education and uh, these guys providing a good value education Apollo Group, I think I talked about here before, the stock's actually been up a little bit, but it's still on a three-year low. Trades at a 7% discount to the S&P. Uh, cash flow per share, $3. Uh, so the stock's at, you know, 13 times that, a little more than I want to pay, but it's offset by very low capital spending requirements. And so on a free cash flow basis, uh, you know, you're about, uh, you're about 15 times, which you know, I, I don't mind that. You get 7% return plus growth, which Value Line's saying is 10%. That gives me 17, 18% growth uh, or return on that. Um, margins here in the 30s. Again, that's something proprietary, often about curriculum or location. Returns on capital, always a, a metric that is going to draw my attention. You know, we're running in the unbelievable levels of, you know, 60, 70%. Next year, predicted at 45%. That seems, you know, fine to me. Um, next couple earnings comparisons are going to be flattish, but then we get into a period of, of strength later this year. Um, you know, this stock probably deserves a premium. Used to sell at a premium years ago, uh, two times the market. Most recently, you know, 20% premiums in 06. Right now, you can pick this up at a little discount. I think it's because of... Uh, you don't really like this, do you? It's no, expensive. I do. No, I don't think it is. I don't think it. This thing trades at a huge premium historically. Historically, when it was, yeah. this was a brand new developing sector, and it attracted a lot of new capital. But now it's a busted up, you know, with lots of, you know, busted well, up. What are you angels. talking about? Hmm? Busted up. Okay, now granted, there was a lot of hair on this group, and as I said. Uh, they're cleaning that up. You know, curriculums are better. Advertising expense is the big issue, but these are businesses. Of course, they disclose all that. My theme on these is simply they're delivering a good education oh, for I the have, dollar. I quibble. I think that's a. I think you're right on target. And you're and you're buying this I don't at a think discount. The historical valuations mean anything here. I think Why? that was before anything had ever gone wrong. Well, it used to trade at twenty at twice the market. Now it's half the market. Right now, the returns well, on capital 
the returns on capital are higher than they used to be. So if you're talking about fear impacting the value here, that's why I want to be yeah, in. I, I like that. So I'm in. Apollo, APOL. Uh, how am I doing on time here? I got another quick one. The uh, okay. Okay. So I'm very sleepy today. I apologize to the listeners. You sound sleepy. Do to I me. sound a little sleepy? No. Uh, let's see. Entertainment technology Just industry. Your loquacious self. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Well, thank you. Thanks, Vern. Um, let's see. Good rhythm today. Entertainment. Thank you. What are you talking about? <laughs> Uh, entertainment technology, these are all the companies that make games for your, you know, computer, your game boxes at home, whatever. Uh, my theme on these is, and I was looking at this data yesterday because I own Take-Two, like which I really want to talk about. Are you going to do Avid technology? No, I'm not. Oh, that's yeah. too bad. Like I'm going to talk about Electronic Arts and Take-Two and THQ. These are the leading players in this game industry. And uh, the thesis here really is that Hours spent in activities, okay, there's only so much time in the day. These guys are gaining share. I was looking at some data just yesterday that's in the U.S. Statistical Abstract, which if you go on Google and look up U.S. Statistical Abstract, uh, there's a wealth of information in there. One of the things they have is a chart that shows you how many hours per week people spend doing various things. Uh, mm -hmm. in, in, in Let's just say not everything that you might be curious about is talked about. Good. But things like television, Internet, books, movies, newspapers, magazines, et cetera. And you can see this. Well, right now, I'm going to quote from memory, but hours uh, per year on television uh, right now is running around 1,600 hours. For Internet, it's 200 hours. For video games, it's 96 hours. So television, 1,600. Video games, 90. Under 100. Now, part of this is because video games are attracted by, you know, more men than women. And also, you know, guys that are 50, well, 60, 70, they haven't long. been around. Exactly. So you're looking at a small part of the population. Uh, the yeah, game platforms themselves are, you know, growing at 20, 25 percent every year. You got the PlayStation 3 coming out. Xbox 360 has been terrific. These things are becoming ubiquitous, and they're going to become more so as the PlayStation 3, you know, sort of gets into circulation. So my theme is, time is going to come out of television. It's going to move into internet and video and games. Um, there's a whole world in these games that uh, lends itself to, you know, uh, direct marketing, advertising. There's whole markets evolving right as we speak. Electronic Arts is working on a deal to price out the advertising in the streets in the games or in the stadium in the game. Or it's, you know, there's a whole world. And as people are looking in there instead of on their TV, you have benchmarks of value in terms of what an ad costs on TV to attract so many eyeballs. Well, now these eyeballs are being attracted to these games. Uh, okay, so that's the background, the thesis. Electronic Arts, which is the big daddy here, everybody knows this guy. Uh, they have a $15 billion market cap. They do uh, $3.5 billion in revenue. Uh, they trade at, uh, you know, what the heck here? How much revenue? They have $3 billion in revenue. I had no um, idea. Now, they trade at $50 a share. They have... $10 a share in sales. 
That's five times sales. None of these companies have ever shown much of a return. They have to end up investing a lot in new games. Things are cyclical. Everybody is in a build phase right now because of these new platforms, the Nintendo Wii, the Xbox 360, which came out last year, and the PlayStation 3. So returns are down, but they'll be ramping up over the next two, three years. That's what people are counting on. I'm valuing these on value per uh, platform, and that's what's growing at 20% around the world, and eyeballs moving from TV. It seems pretty clear to me. But these things are all under a cloud right now um, because of uh, concerns about consumer spending and, gee, will the PlayStation 3 work? And, will you know, to me this is like in 1947 going, what if color TV doesn't work? What will we do? I mean, it, this seems so obvious. Anyway, Electronic Arts has all the market cap in the space. They're $15 billion. Take-Two is $1 billion. And this THQ is $2 billion. So 80% of the market share is in Electronic Arts, and yet their sales at $3 billion. Take-Two at $1 billion, so one-third, and THQ also at $1 billion. So they have about, uh, you know, 60% or what have you of the sales, but 80% of the market share. And I think that's just because they're visible with the big, most visible games. Um, most of what they sell is, uh, you know, they pay royalties. They don't actually own uh, the, the underlying content. And uh, they've got this giant multiple. So, okay. Then I turn to Take-Two, my favorite stock to talk about. Take-Two, TTWO. They have a billion in sales, uh, which is just a third of Electronic Arts. Stock is at? One billion market cap versus fifteen billion for Electronic Arts. It sells at seven percent of the valuation. It has one third the sales. They also have one of the strongest franchises in the game business, in my opinion, which is Grand Theft Auto. Uh, you know, and they have it on every platform. Every version of Grand Theft Auto has sold more than the prior version, which has never happened on any other franchise-type game, so it's very unique in its effect in the marketplace. Um, they've been a little delayed with PlayStation 3, uh, so, you know, their earnings are a little behind where they might be. But I'm taking this rollout of game platforms around the world as sort of a given, and it's just how long will it take. Instead of 10 movie studios in 1935, you have three studios in 2007 that are, I think, going to, you know, be looked looking to capture those same eyeballs. So uh, I think uh, you've got a unique opportunity right now to buy one of three or four public companies in the space, and eventually all the eyeballs that used to watch television and movies are going to be watching games and Internet. So uh, take two. It's trading at about, uh, you know, looks like 20 times cash flow, but you have to add back R&D, which is an expense, but really something to build for the future. Uh, they have a couple bucks of R&D here, so really, if they stopped worrying about the future, that's uh, capital spending. Yeah, it's right. It's kind of their capex and it's expensed rather than factories. Exactly, and so they're really trading at a very mu reasonable multiple on that, about six times. Um, they have absolutely no debt, so these guys are in it for the long haul, and they're still recovering from some of the negative news here. So I'm going to list you a couple things. Uh, at one point last summer, to, to be full disclosure, I bought this at 10. I think there's a lot in it yet. But last summer, they were in trouble for hot coffee, which was an add-in that had some fuzzy pink pictures that some people took to be uh, offensive. Uh, and Walmart took them out, but they're back in Walmart. They had an options issue, but take a number, so did everybody else. And, uh, you know, then they had a CEO resign 
that he said at the time was for completely different reasons and he wanted to get on with his career. Well, guess what? It turns out that's what it was. So he's gone. They have a new guy. What's he doing? He's doing something else. What was his I career? I don't know. He, Rock and roll star. No, he Pilot. he was uh, he ended up he ended up taking the fall for a lot of problems that were at Take Two. You can read it in here. They basically did a you know an, an, an internal investigation, blamed everything on this old CEO. I'm sure yeah. he didn't do everything. Okay. And uh, but they found no evidence of problems with the new management team. So, you know, amazing. I know. How about there's that? a little hair on it. But what I'm getting to is they've got some fabulous franchises that they own the content. They own Grand Theft Auto. They own uh, Sid Meier and all his various things. They have, right now have an exclusive on the new MLB Major League Baseball game coming Ooh. out. They're evolving a new franchise in sports, 2K Sports, to compete with EA. Uh, you know, so EA is not going to own the whole space here. And 2K is coming on strong as a new brand. Uh, they've bought a couple of studios recently that they seem to have gotten a pretty good deal on. So all I'm saying is six or seven times cash flow, take two, TTWO. If you compare it to Electronic Arts, which, you know, is a good business, did. is much cheaper. And then the other one is THQ. And these guys, uh, you know, they have a number of products that you you know have heard of as well. And, THQI. Yeah, but, uh, you know, they're, they're trading at uh, two times sales. And don't have the franchises that uh, you know Take Two has. So I'm going to go with Take Two. Favorite stock this week, Take Two, obviously, but that's cheating because I own it. Uh, and so my second favorite stock, I think, is Thor, even though I don't actually have it here and didn't even talk much about it. So I'll have to go with Take Two. Okay, and that's all I have. My turn. I'm going to go real quick. Oh, beverage break. Beverage break. Beverage break. Did I? How long did I go? You went quite a while. Jeez, I'm sorry, Vern. That's okay. I can skim through these because I don't know a lot about them. They're just beer and food. So um, I was going to talk about the Del Montes um, first uh, because I found myself looking at Del Monte Foods and thinking it it looked like an interesting kind of uh, like your UST recommendation. Yeah, just something to uh, put away, stable part of your portfolio. DLM is the symbol. Two point three billion market cap. Um, this is uh, was created in 2002 in its current form by acquiring Heinz's U.S. Seafood, North American Pet Food and Pet Snack, U.S. Private Label Soup, and U.S. Infant Feeding Businesses. Hmm. So Heinz spun out a bunch of stuff that I guess wasn't ketchup. Yeah, and, focusing um, on the core. So they have Del Monte, Conadina, Starkist, Nine Lives, Kibbles and Bits, Sausages, Milk Bone Meow Mix, College Inn. I, some of these, I think, are probably pretty good, grow pretty fast. Some of them strike me maybe don't. They have S&W, which I think is uh, canned vegetables. College yeah. Inn, I think, is a really tired old soup label. Uh, stock, a little over $11, about 15 times earnings, so about a 20% discount to the market, a little bit of yield. Um, you know, is it exciting? Well, I don't think I'd say that. They're looking to reduce their exposure in low-margin vegetables. Well, that would be good. Uh, tuna is apparently not doing well. Well, that makes sense. There's been a lot of adverse publicity about the health effects of eating tuna. Mm -hmm. So um, mm -hmm. you got a couple troubled brands. Yeah. Well, it, you know, isn't it interesting that there's hundreds of billions of private equity money sloshing around looking for things to buy, stable that are businesses to buy, uh, yeah, especially stable businesses where 
Um, you know, operating margins of this new of the new company since 2002 are solidly mid-teens. They don't return a lot on capital, but I think they're probably a bit overcapitalized. 60% debt to cap with, uh, um, you know, 1.5 times book. So pretty healthy capitalized business. Generates decent cash flow. This is only eight times gross cash flow at this 20% discount hmm. for the market. Seems cheap. So uh, the stock at 11 is near the high it's traded at since it was spun out. But over that time, revenue sales per share has gone from $15 a share to almost $18 a share. And the issue has been the, uh, the impact of uh, input costs, inflation, et cetera. So they had declining earnings 03 through 05, but up in 06, forecast to make a nice jump again in 07. So they're turning. If the market gets conviction about that, this uh, underperformance pretty much steadily since they were spun out hmm. has a chance to turn up, I think, maybe. Hmm. So I thought that looked kind of interesting, but I don't think it's as interesting as fresh Del Monte produce, FDP. Value line just uh, lowered their rating to a five. Yeah, I've been looking at this myself. Less than a billion-dollar market cap. Mm-hmm was born when Del Monte, back in 89, I guess before it was part of Heinz, spun out the fruit business. Mm. Mm. Okay. So they're in production, sourcing, transportation, fresh and fresh-cut produce, as well as prepared foods in Europe, Middle East, Africa. Well, this is the stuff in the store that's so handy and easy to eat. Well, uh, according to Value Line, they're a little write-up here. A third of sales come from bananas. And they are the world's largest pineapple seller. I, I like both. Yeah. And there's mention here bagged salads. Well, in a world where people are increasingly worried about what they're eating and, and choosing, uh, making fresher and healthier choices, but also are incredibly pressed for time and stressed and are willing to pay up for convenience, uh, bagged vegetables and bagged fruit Cut up, prepared, ready. Oh, they're to be gaining a, a ton of share. You can just you tell can by the, how much shelf space they store get. And yeah. take a look, right? Yeah. So the stock's done nothing except crater since uh, the beginning of 2005. I can't figure that out. I've been looking at the stock for a year, haven't bought it, and I see it going down. All the trends seem good for their product. What's going on? Well, they uh, they had a loss. In 2006. That really disappoints investors <laughs> oftentimes. Uh, after having uh, apparently double-digit operating margins, they went to under 5% and mm. lost money this year. I but it's because of the value line's devastating impact hurricane. of no. higher fruit and vegetable costs. Why don't they just raise their prices? Well, I don't think you have the ability to keep up quite you know, one time a guy told me, I was looking at some nursery stock. He said, you know, I couldn't buy that. I said, why not? He said, I don't like buying things where the whole inventory can die. <laughs> this stock is oh. $15 a share, revenue per share over $55 a share. So hmm. it's seven times gross cash flow. It's almost 20 times free cash flow, but that's because the operating margins are at historic lows. Are they going bankrupt? Um, 23% debt to cap. They say long-term interest coverage almost seven times. Okay? Total debt, $360 million. Revenue is almost ten times that. No, they're not about to go bankrupt. Just look at the stock chart. 
The chart's terrible. It's terrible. If the market thinks in, uh, that it's going to go back to a single-digit PE, I guess. I think you know what I think it is. No, I, I don't. think it's a takeout. Is what I think. Who'll it is. take it out? Who'll take it out? Yeah. Somebody who um, uh, can um, capture the uh, admin, the back office um, synergies. That is looking for uh, that's in the food business and looking for a presence in a fast-growing category. Here's what I don't understand: yeah. this category to me seems to be right in the smack in the middle of health concerns, dietary concerns, nutrition, everyone needing to eat better. The baby boomers, you know, really focused on that. And yet, uh, Value Line's predicting four and a half percent sales growth and minus seven percent earnings growth for the next. Uh, Five years. Yeah, but those are off of O three. Are they? And yeah. So they're they're calculating an earnings growth number off of four dollars a share. Well the the recent stock price is fifteen. Okay, I'm willing to talk about basing something on four dollars of share of earnings. Sounds like a good deal to me. Now yeah. value lines numbers here don't make any sense. They don't difference. make any sense they, though. They're they're pointless. They're right. They're, they mean nothing in the context of understanding the stock. You know, what do you think the stable margin is? I mean, it, the point would be earnings can't continue to go down. The margin, you know, erosion has happened. It's over. 2004, 2005, they earned 6.5%. Right. In 99 and 2000, they earned 75 I'd say that, you know, there's your, they're your low end until we had. What about this 3 and 4 they're predicting here now? This calamitous, whatever just happened with. It's terrible, whatever it was. Oh, devastating, I believe. is devastating Produce 06. pricing pressures were a significant burden last year. Banana pricing in Europe, global pineapple rates, I, you know, bad weather, I guess, yeah. global warming, I, you know. But there, there was a business doing exactly the same thing recently. They're commodities. I would just think with all the concerns about scurvy in the world, you'd sell a lot of these a lot of these Okay, uh, so anyway, products. so I promised beer. I want to talk about beer a little okay. bit, okay? Um, I'll try to make this quick. I, make it long. Anheuser-Busch, uh, Value Line, their ultimate conclusion, it's an appealing long-term selection. Uh, they rated a three, which was an upgrade in August of last year. They haven't liked it, apparently, for a long time. I can see why. The stock did nothing except underperform after a peak in late 02 until early last year. But it's bottomed out. And similar to the, the vegetable story we were just looking at, earnings peaked in 04 and declined in 05, and 06, you know, basically looked like they established a bottom. Stock established a bottom. Looks like it's turned up. Same period of time I've gone from, I got a $51 stock um, uh, that's... Um, at a basically a market multiple, um, pulled in significantly from where this used to trade. Well, he, all and the so, demographics changed. All the you know consumption patterns but, changed. But um, um, it's been getting cheaper and cheaper and cheaper on a price to sales. Beer's basis. losing share. Right, but once Did they, they buy a wine, out, they bought a wine company recently. Anheuser Busch is the world's largest brewer, one of the largest theme park operators in the U.S. Second largest U.S. manufacturer of aluminum beverage containers and the largest well, that's recycler. Self-use. Yeah. Uh, Bud, Michelob, Bush, 
Uh, beer's 80%, 85% of operating profits got out of the food business 10 years ago. I thought I saw them buy a wine company recently. They, uh, they lever up the business, 65% of capital. They may have, but not big six, enough to move the needle, billion probably. billion in right. revenue, 39 billion market cap. They're huge. Mm-hmm. Okay, but return on capital, consistently high teens, 20% kind of range. Operating margin, mid-20s or higher, as far back as the eye can see. They had Impressive. a little problem with earnings recently. The stock's been anticipating that and dealt with it, discounted it in. I'm now at 12 times uh, gross cash flow, 15 times that free cash flow, 7% you were talking about, yeah. a couple percent on yield. They, they became the U.S. importer of Stella, Beck's, Bass Ale, a bunch of popular brands here in the U.S., European. They, uh, they're also, they've been working on working down inventories in 06, so I've got a snapback in earnings. I've got a lot of wind at my back in 07 because I was underproducing retail activity, if you will. So um, this looks like a, a good time to be buying this. The stock's been, as I say, performing better, but relative basis has uh, weakened in the uh, the last hmm. part of 06, and I think you got a chance I to buy know. it here. I don't know right, about so that. I see that. I went looking for, well, you know, it's not bad. It's kind of interesting, and it sort of falls in the Del Monte, the food Well, thing, I think know. food is maintaining share better than beer. Well, food generally, I'm sure that's true, but beer, there's an awful lot of the world out there that would like to be drinking a Bud. I'm and, sure and there over is. Time will I'm earn sure they the will. Resources I'm sure they will to buy it. But and you just brands yeah, yeah. will be oh come well on. growth Africa uh, Africa yeah well I think you need you do need some uh, free cash flow to buy beer and that's good you know worldwide growth story. in the economic well, India China you do have but um, you know I don't know I don't know on that one I'll withhold. I think it's. I, I think it's a good time yeah. to buy it right here. Yeah. The symbols Bud B U D. So I looked at two others. Uh, Molson, which is now Molson Coors, symbol Tap T A P. Isn't that cute? Value line has no rating. That's what really got me looking at the beer stuff in the first place. Because oh, I you know maybe an opportunity. Seventy nine dollars stock market multiple, uh, less yield than uh, um, than Bud, uh, roughly the same cash flow multiples. Not nearly as profitable. And Value Line doesn't really have much to say any, uh, about it, except that um, they have the opportunity to pay down debt. I, <laughs> you'd think that they'd be doing, trying to do something maybe to capture some synergies out of the combination of the two. I don't know. but um, um, I don't the, know what synergies you have. The chairman is a guy named Molson. Maybe the family owns most of it. I don't see anything there, so... That was a big controversial deal. I remember it went back and forth a, a couple times. Happen, didn't mm, it? A lot of uh, But I thought Boston Beer, symbol SAM, mm-hmm. value line rates at three, just took it down. The stock's been a, a huge stock since 2000, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, although relative, you know, you know really kind of just kind of kept pace with the market. Uh, $35 stock recently, 25 PE, so pretty – Significant premium to the market. It was a little more expensive on a revenue basis than uh, than uh, Molson, but at 1.6 times revenue compares with about 2.5 times revenue for Bud. This one's about 17 times cash flow, though, because they're about half as profitable. You know what I like about this one? 
What do you like the about The sales, it? $300 million. Bud, $16 billion. Bud can't gain share. They're too frickin' big. These guys can get hot. It's a fashion sort of a thing, and they get distribution. Well, and they have, though, and the stock has gone from effectively a $10 stock for four years back in the late 90s. But can they be a billion dollars in sales? Can they still triple in sales? I Whereas they, Bud probably, I think they probably can. can. And the way it's going to happen, and this is in the text here, um, you know, this this is the company that owns the Sam Adams brand, right? And they they win awards with their beer. They proliferated the number of labels. It, this is 18 beers under the Sam Adams name, and three under the Long Shot label, whatever that is. Hmm. But what I don't like here, I thought of this as a takeout. It's sort of obvious that, you know, the way you really get paid here from this point would be that you'd buy this growth record, right? But the guys may not want to sell. Right. Officers and directors own 37% of the common yeah, stock. Yeah, they probably like running this company. Yeah, and they're, you know, they, these guys are uh, they're celebrities. They really are. They're on television. Yeah. They star in their own ads. Well, and they pay themselves well, I'm sure, and they have a, yeah. a corporate uh, bus or whatever they Which is why I think it's a short here. Um, because of the premium valuation and the fact that, according to Value Line, officers and directors own 37% of the stock, I'm struck mm. by a final paragraph here in the little write-up. This is what you want to be careful. This is a, why Value Line can be really useful as a, as a research tool. little plug there for Value really? Line. In August, uh, well, it, up above here it says, they've been notified by Miller that Miller's going to terminate their existing contract relationship. For distribution, maybe, or what? Um, they make the beer for Sam Adams. Oh, because on TV they seem to make it themselves in, in their a home. In little <laughs> garage still huh, or something. What do you know yes. about that? So they've, um, they've, they entered into a purchase and sale agreement for land in Massachusetts, Boston Beer Company. They're evaluating the costs associated with developing it. I don't know. Maybe this is a negotiating posture, but management has initially estimated construction facility would cost approximately 130 to 170 million dollars. Revenue is less than 300 million here, folks. Um, there's no debt on the balance sheet right now, so you're talking about by losing the the, the production, they're losing their production base, which has been outsourced. So just to keep the company going. They have to invest $9 per share. They're mm -hmm. going to have to borrow it from somebody, folks. They don't have it. Well, they have the balance sheet to borrow that money. They certainly do. Yeah. And then the equity on a per share basis, the value of the company will not have changed at all, except that you'll own a $150 well, million I, beer no, facility. I, I mean, if they know they can fill that thing up, it's going to be a more economical thing to own your own facility versus paying someone else to make that beer. You capture that profit for yourself in the price of the beer. So and, if and it works, it's a good move. It will them. be great, and then the stock will be like 17 and I'll buy it. I think, you know, that's a dangerous thing to short, I'd say. you got private equity, people who want to be famous. If you own Boston beer, it's probably cheaper than owning the Yankees, and you might be as famous. And uh, and they're three hundred million in sales. The, so the company right now has, the market says it has a value of five hundred million dollars. There's people who could buy that it's, themselves. Uh, no, I understand that. So you know, but, but a but short. Why? Yes, this thing. This thing could. I think. You know, I don't know their they're distribution. They're not going to sell it willingly. These thirty-seven percent. Well, of guys, you don't know. Right? 
How about 10-year contracts at a million a year to run it? You were the argument that they wouldn't be sellers. Now I don't think they will. The no, I don't think they no, will right. sell it. But I it. wouldn't short this thing because if they somebody buys this up 20%, you're, you know, I mean, they could do it. Well, that's the danger with any yeah. stock. You're just uh, well, no, no, shorts. Well, I, that, I would make that argument. The short, uh, you know, upside, downside, you go long, you have... Unlimited upside, limited downside. You go short, you have unlimited downside, limited well, upside. I, I don't me, like that. Uh, let, me, let me add a qualifier then to my short recommendation on symbol SAM. Um, keep an eye on it, and don't let your losses become uh, infinite. If the stock were to that go from 25 times earnings to 50 times earnings because they spend $9 a share on a it's, new factory. It's uh, Well, the factory at $9 a share, depending on what they're going to save. Good short here. Not at all. At Back away. It's, it's within uh, two bucks of its all-time high. Never traded above $28 What's their sales growth rate until here? this past year. Are sales volatile? Sales, um, let's see, Value Line is projecting 15% top-line growth in 07. Have they ever had a down sales year? Uh, in 2004, they were down. In 2001, they were down. In 98, they were down after being down in 97 as well. Okay. Uh, return on capital is 18-ish uh, percent right now. Never been higher. So where would you cover if you were short? 25-ish. Uh, mm -hmm. I think you get a nice uh, return out of this. Yeah. Uh, I would be to, scared I, to I, death I, I, to do that. I haven't that. done the back of the envelope on enterprise value with the CapEx spend. Yeah. Anyway, okay. so short short Boston, team it with a long bud. That's Vern's idea, by the way. Short Boston is it's hey, I Vern take, value. I take 100% responsibility okay. for all of my ideas. Yeah. I think the loyal Danger. listeners already know that. But thank you, Val, for pointing it out to someone thank who might you. be listening in for the first time. That's right. We have to. Because of course, that's that would be unlikely. Plus, this that is they for entertainment purposes only. First time. Entertainment <laughs> purposes only. And you'll be very entertained when you open your brokerage statement and it says zero. That's going to be so entertaining. We have to stop now, okay? We've been talking way too All right. Long. Well, thanks for listening in, everybody. It's been an interesting week, and uh, we'll see you next week on uh, – the Value Line Observer with the Value Guys.